You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. All right, let's get into it. Today, I want to teach you something titled Five Types of Money. Five Types of Money. Praise the Lord. Um, five types of money and um, it's, it's going to be um, the last teaching in the teaching series on success. Hallelujah. It's going to be the last teaching in the teaching series on success and today's teaching is, is sort of like I'm not really doing a Bible teaching. I'm doing, if, if you want to call it a fatherly advice or an advice of a friend to another friend or something like that, that's what today's teaching is, is all about. And so I, I, the five types of wealth I want to talk about are simple. I want to talk about financial wealth, social wealth, physical wealth, mental wealth and time wealth time wealth time wealth hallelujah so let me get into it when we talk about financial wealth that's like the the that's like the first type of wealth that people think about that's the first thing people consider when we're talking about wealth financial wealth people consider Oh, money. Hallelujah. But that's, that's not really, really all there is to wealth. Hallelujah. That's not really, really all there is to wealth. There, is, there are other kinds of wealth. And the thing about financial wealth is, I know the believer may, I know the believer may um, feel like, oh, there are, there is a spiritual side to it. And I agree, there is a spiritual side to making money. And I've spent a good portion of this month teaching you on the spiritual side to making money. But there is also a common sense physical aspect to making money. All right. There is the common sense physical aspect to making money. So, for instance, if you if you've got a if you've got a nine to five job you are you are going through the common sense physical aspect of making money but there are a number of things you must consider let me start from here or let me say this you know as a way to go through the conversation a person's level of financial wealth is called his net worth his financial net worth or her financial net worth and um, for those of you who did some form of business in school, so I, I read chemical engineering, but I was made to go through some business classes. You would learn that your net worth is equal to the value of your assets less the value of your liabilities. The value of your assets less the value of your liabilities. Um, your assets, what are assets? Assets are, I, I didn't really prepare a definition, so I'm just going through it in my head or giving you off the top of my head definitions that you, know, you may be able to relate to and understand. Assets are sort of like properties that you own that add value to you generally. And liabilities are properties that you own that take away value from you generally. So, for instance, um, and it's never fixed. Sometimes a house can be an asset. Sometimes a house can be a liability. Um, Poco, how can a house be a liability? You live, for instance, in London. You came to Nigeria and you built a house somewhere in Borno State. All right. That house is going to be a liability for you. Because, number one, you're not going to live in that house and number two, you're still going to have to maintain the house. You're still going to have to pay for a caretaker if you want that house to not dilapidate. All right. And then after a couple of years of not living in the house, you're going to have to um, 
re renovate or refurbish the house the only way you can turn that liability to an asset is if you maybe rent it out or lease it you know for something so yeah yeah you have an asset or a liability and your nine to five can either be an asset or a liability to you and that's the problem a lot of people when they're thinking of financial wealth they only think in terms of money earned they don't think in terms of assets or liability there's such a thing as assets and liability even when your nine to five is concerned let me cite an example so for instance you live in a boot meta no, Ibutemata is quite central. Let's say you live in Iyanoipaja. Iyanoipaja is at the other end of Lagos, closer to Ogun State. And um, you got a job, fair job, in Lekki. And the job doesn't come with transportation, so there is no staff bus. You don't have a staff bus or staff helicopter. There is no staff anything. You find your way to work and you find your way back home. But then the job pays you about 150,000 monthly. You will agree with me that 150,000 monthly, especially if it's an entry-level job, is actually a fair, fair salary for an entrance into the job market. However, you spend somewhere in the region of 40,000 monthly on transportation. You're a good Christian, you pay your tithe, 15,000, 55,000 is gone. And then um, let's say you spend about 600 naira on food every day. Because if you live in Yanapaja and you work in Lekki, let's face it, you're not going to be cooking your own food. You have to find a way to buy food. Because you have to leave home as early as 5 a.m., 4 a.m. some days, just so you can meet up with the 8 o'clock, um, 8 o'clock, um, this thing time frame for for jobs you know for the opening of your office or nine o'clock so you leave home as five as early as five a.m you're not cooking you have to buy food and so you're going to spend 600 naira on food every day in a month of 22 working days you're spending somewhere in the region of thirteen thousand two hundred on food added to your fifty-five thousand. that's what now that's 68,200 naira. So just food, transportation, and tithe, 68,200 naira out of 150,000 is gone. And because of the toll that your job takes on your health, because if you're waking up every day by 5 a.m. and you're going back, I mean, if you wake up every day by 5 a.m., you leave the office by 6 p.m. Um, or 5 p.m. on a working day, you will most likely get to Yanapaja sometime between 8 and 10 p.m. So you don't get time to rest like that. And you're not eating healthy because you're buying most of your food. If you're spending 600 naira on food every day, is it that you're eating one Chicken Republic pack once a day or you're spending the money on... Thank you. Tokpe just wrote um, one five on food, 600 naira, no fits by anything. And that's true. So that you're spending one Chicken Republic pack once a day, which is not enough, you know, to feed a full-grown adult in a day. Or you are spending maybe 200 naira on gala and one gala with one drink three times every day, you know. And gala is even 100 naira now. So maybe biscuits. You buy 50 naira biscuits. That's like one biscuit now with one drink. By the time you look at it, it's going to take a heavy toll on your health. So you're going to fall ill. Most people I know that work like that fall ill after the first month. So you're, you're not going to have to take care of yourself depending on the magnitude to which you have fallen ill. You find out that that job in itself is a liability to you. It's a liability to you. Even if it's bringing in money, it's still a liability to you. So somebody now says, why don't you move closer to the office? And then a lot of people do this stupid thing where they now calculate. Oh, if I get a roommate, if I get a roommate, the roommate um, will pay, let's say we find a house that costs about 900000 of which that's a steal, because I don't think you will find any house in Lekki right now that costs 900,000 naira. But let's say you are blessed and you find a house that costs 900 naira, it's a one-bedroom, so room and parlor, or maybe self-con, and you, you get a roommate, so both of you have to share it, 450 each. Uh, you now think to yourself, so I'll now take a whole 450,000. Come on now. <laughs> the house is, a, is an asset. <laughs> the house is one of your assets in the sense that it adds to you <laughs> rather than take away from you. Because then, if you leave 
I mean, if you live in Lekki, you're 20 minutes away from your office or 30 minutes away from the office. Now you have to stop. You can stop waking up by 4 a.m. You can wake up by 6. You can wake up by 7 if you have to get to the office by 9. You can wake up by 8 a.m. Pray for 5 minutes, 10 minutes. Then eat. Have your bath. Leave home by 8.30. Or wake up by 7.30. Do all of those things I've said. Leave home by 8.30 and get to the office before 9. And you are healthy and happy. Some people say money buys happiness. And you know... There's such a thing as poverty mentality. Let me just speak to it. Remember, I'm not teaching you guys the Bible today. I'm just speaking to you from my heart. Um, there's such a thing as poverty mentality. And poverty mentality doesn't apply only to the poor. Poverty mentality is a mindset that is left in poverty. It's different. So, for instance, people say money, doesn't, money cannot buy true happiness. And you hear some person with poverty mentality say it's better to cry at the back of a Rolls Royce than to cry at the back of a keke. Have you heard that before? Have you, have you guys heard that before? Yeah, it's better to cry at the... You are still crying, bro. <laughs> like, you're still crying. <laughs> you're still crying. Right? So, so, there's such a thing as poverty mentality, and a lot of people have it. You know that thing that makes you want to... Ah, there are some things I want to say. There are some things that I want to say that some of you, it, it will drag your wigs terribly. So, you've increased in your standard of living. Let me just give some particular examples that irk me. You've moved into your own house. You've increased your standard of living. One can of morning fresh costs about one, two. And you can use a can of morning fresh for two months. If you're living alone, three months, four months. But for some weird reason, you want to use detergent. So you want to buy those 15 naira detergent sachets. You know it's poverty mentality. Spending wise pound foolish. Because in the end, you end up spending more on detergents than on the morning fresh. Do you know? You end up spending more on detergents than on the morning. So you're buying 15 naira. You use it maybe one in two days. Except, of course, you don't want to wash your plates. Except, of course, you, you, you want to be dirty. You use one in two days. Which means in a month, you're spending what? Um, 50 times, maybe 15, 750. In four months, you've spent somewhere in the region of 2,800 naira. Somewhere in the region. One kind of money fresh would have lasted you those four months for one, two, one, three. Poverty mentality. Some of you buy, <laughs> some of you buy the morning fresh. Then you split it and pour water. I will never understand people who do why why are you pouring so as a chemical engineer it doesn't make sense to me because they made it at the concentration within which it is potent and powerful then you diluted it you know say it's still foaming it's not foam that washes things clean right so it's still it's still it still lathers so it's it come on <laughs> all right but that's a detour so when you, are, when you are saying things like moving close to your office, even if it's costly, it, it, it's just it's poverty mentality that is doing you. If you are going for wealth, I need you to learn how to, I need you to learn how to, um, oh, you guys sound surprised that people use detergents to wash plates. People do. Have you never seen people who do that? People use detergents, homo and clean and so fresh. People use detergents to wash plates. All right. So, um, I, I just, I need you to, if you're going after financial wealth, you must know what makes financial wealth happen. There's such a thing as financial freedom. Uh, and you can start working towards financial freedom. Know what are assets and know what are liabilities. Some of you, your iPhone is a liability to you. I said what I said. I said what I said. If your iPhone makes up at least a tenth of your net worth in a year, it's a liability to you. In fact, when people cost housing, for instance, people say, ideally, your rent shouldn't be more than a third of your income in a year. It's difficult to live up to that in Lagos because Lagos landlords are mad. <laughs> right? But then you have... You have university students 
who are using iPhone 12s. So you are using an iPhone who, um, an, an iPhone that costs, what, 300,000, 400, and you can't afford it. You need to learn that. Um, let, me, let me teach you people something important, something that rules my life. That I have the money for it does not mean I can afford it. It's a very important principle of life. That I have the money for a thing does not mean that I can afford it. There are many things that go into affording something. Many, many more things than do I have the money. So for instance, in a year, some of you check your account statement at the end of the year and you find out as a, as a student, two million passed through your account. There's a total Camry that you can buy for two million. But that year, you couldn't afford that Toyota Camry because of something called scale of profit. You wouldn't buy clothes. You wouldn't transport yourself. So you basically kill yourself because you're trying to buy a Toyota Camry. So that you have money for a thing doesn't mean you can afford it. You have to ask yourself, is there a scale of preference applied? Do you understand? Is there a scale of preference that must be applied before you even go into um, buying a thing? So some of you, you take time and you save up money for an iPhone. And it's commendable. You've saved 400000 The iPhone 14 is coming out sometime in October, I think. And you save up 400000 600000 for it. And you've been saving that money for months now. And the time comes to buy that iPhone. You need to ask yourself, I have 600000 now, but can I afford the iPhone? Can I aff afford the iPhone 14? Or would, it be better, or would it be better for me to drop down to an iPhone, what, 12 or 11 for now? There's a reason why you see a lot of rich CEOs who are still using iPhone 7, iPhone 5. Hell, I still use an iPhone 7. Can I afford, can I, do I have the money to buy an iPhone 12? I do. Can I get the money to buy an iPhone 14 when it comes out? I can. But can I afford those things? I don't think I can just yet. I still use an iPhone 7. You know what I mean? So um, that race, that consistent race to upgrade your life, you might just be downgrading your life when you think you're upgrading your life. All right, learn the difference between assets and liabilities. Choose assets over liabilities. Some wigs are assets. That's the truth. Some wigs are assets. A wig you can buy today and the wig is 30K. And tomorrow, when you want to sell that wig, it is still 30K. It's an asset. A wig you can buy today that appreciates in value or does not lose its value is an asset. You know what I mean? A lot of people suffer because when they had money, they didn't spend their money on acquiring assets. Some things are assets. When you have some money, buy a gold watch. Because when times are hard, you can sell that watch for a valuable amount. And gold appreciates. It doesn't depreciate. So you will sell it more than you bought it. So um, if you're going after financial wealth and stability, understand the dichotomy of assets and liability. That's actually all. Some investments are assets. Some investments are liabilities. If you have a 100,000 Naira now, do not put, if that's all you have, don't put it in crypto. It's a liability. It's a, let, let me just warn you. Any good crypto investor will tell you that you only invest money that you don't need within the next two years. Money that you can keep and remove your mind from it. Not that you will now put the money in crypto. You'll not be checking it every day. Ha. It's dipping. It, where is it dipping? Come on now. It's a liability. Understand the rules of investments. Not every loan is a liability. Some loans are assets. So, for instance, this is not a business school, to be honest. There are so many things I can teach you. Um, and I'm, I'm going to cover it somewhere, somewhere down along the teaching, you know, today. But some loans are 
That's why, in fact, a lot of company owners will tell you that when you want to finance a company, sometimes it's best to take a loan. All right? Take a loan at a good interest rate. That's why they look for investors, because investment is basically a type of a loan. Some investors will ask you to, okay, I'll, I'll push this money into your account or into your business. You'll plow back after this number of months or number of years. It's a loan. But you're using somebody else's money to make money. That's what banks basically do. So financial wealth, um, and this is something you, sh you should know about financial wealth. Um, I was saying it before. Most people assume that financial wealth creates happiness. And it's possible to see somebody who has a lot of money and think that they are happy. But this is the thing that you need to realize. That money is scientifically correlated with happiness. Only up to a baseline of life. Let me put it like this. Do you know I wish I, wish I was doing this, this service with a board? If you remember economics, there was a graph of utility, total utility against um, units consumed, if you remember. So you have something called marginal utility in economics. Marginal utility is the total amount of satisfaction derived from one unit of a product. And then you have total utility, which is um, marginal, um, marginal utility across the number of units consumed. So the formula for total utility is marginal utility times the number of units consumed. I don't know how many of you remember. There's this graph of total utility where the more the units you consume, the more pleasure you and satisfaction you gain until you reach a point. I've forgotten there's a name for the point. I've forgotten it. You reach a point where the graph of total utility against um, um, units consumed begins to dip. That's how money works. Many people don't realize that there's a level of satisfaction you gain with money until you get to a point. Solomon got there. <laughs> I mean, the Bible says one of the biggest teachings on money is that vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. And the person who taught it was Solomon. It's ironic because Solomon had all. Why? There's a point you get to where you begin to realize... Um, there's a point you get to where you begin to realize that money, it, money has given you the amount of happiness it can give you. And you can't go further than that. Some of you, and the funny thing is, usually it doesn't have to do with amounts. So for instance, there are seasons in your life where you are not particularly happy. Not because you don't have money. You might have some money or more money than you are used to having, but there are other factors that are, that are missing. So you find wealthy women who don't have children who will spend all their money to get a child because money can't buy that kind of happiness. So money can only buy, thank you, it's called point of saturation. Thank you, Jeremiah. So money can only buy happiness to an extent. Do you understand? Money can only buy happiness to an extent. A, a, a lot of ladies, this is why it's very dangerous when your, your entire spec for dating is money. He must be rich. It's dangerous because when you get into the relationship, when you get into the relationship, um, when you get into the relationship and you start the relationship, you will enjoy all the money has to offer you. How many of you watched this Netflix special. I think it's called Tindler Swindler. Or Tinder Swindler, rather. Yes, it was a special. You enjoy all the money can afford you. You can fly to Dubai for breakfast, have lunch in Paris, and then have dinner somewhere in Melbourne, Australia. Life is good. You can buy, you know, all the wines. But it gets to a point when all of those things lose their meaning. And then you begin to see through the facade of, of the wealth and begin to demand actual companionship in a relationship you know money is not everything this brings us to our other types of wealth the next one i want to talk about is social wealth social wealth social wealth social wealth is about um, social wealth is about our connection to others in the world, how we view others, the friendships we make, the connections we make. 
And there are two aspects to social wealth. There is the breadth of social wealth and there is the depth of social wealth. And there are two extremes as far as social wealth cons is concerned. There are those who are only concerned with the breadth of social wealth and not necessarily the depth of social wealth. What do they look like? They have so many friends, but they don't have any deep, meaningful friendship. I'll say that again. They have, this feels like a poco life. They have so many friends, but they don't have any deep, meaningful friendship. And that's a thing. That's a thing. It's possible to have so many friends, but not deep, meaningful friendships. And that's, that's an extreme. Why is that an extreme? Because you may have someone to call in many situations, and that's good. But you may not have um, people to call when you need some type of deep, meaningful connection. People like that, let me give you examples. People like that are very, they have so many friends, but usually find it difficult to date. Because as I'm saying it now, somebody's coming, to, one of you is coming to mind. <laughs> you have so many friends, but you find it very difficult to date. So you have the breath, but then you now have the opposite extreme of the spectrum, and that is people who, go for depth but they don't have any kind of breath in in um in their in their social capital or relationships they have only deep meaningful relationships so such people will have one or two friends in the entire world for a long time i was like that all right they have one or two friends in the entire world they don't really care for others. They don't call people. They, they think they are introverts. <laughs> they, they label themselves as introverts. One or two deep, meaningful relationships. Maybe three, four, but only deep, meaningful relationships. They don't have casual relationships. Why that's dangerous is because such people, interestingly, also find it difficult to date. Why do they find it difficult to date? Because they find it difficult to get into a dating relationship because they move too fast. You meet someone today and you don't take the time to establish, you know, the relationship. You just start digging deep immediately. Do you understand? And that's, that's not very healthy. If, if you want to dig, sometimes it helps to clear the area first, then start digging deep. The problem is they, they don't take time to establish the relationship um, and, you know, get to know each other. They're the type of people who, they're the type of people who meet a person and two weeks into the meeting, they're already dating the person. They just go for depth in social relationships. Both are equally dangerous. The balance is found somewhere in the middle. You have a few people who are your deep friends. You have deep connections with them. But then you have a lot of people who you have just casual connections with. All right. And it's important. I taught you this two Wednesdays ago or three Wednesdays ago. That it's important to use money to make connections. Money can only make you... Um, can only enhance the breadth of your social capital. Money cannot really enhance the depth of your social capital. Let me say that again. Money can only enhance the breadth of your social capital. Money cannot really enhance the depth of your social capital. So what that means is when you're using money to make friends, understand that the best money can do for you is make them casual friends, drinks kind of friends, but they're not necessarily secrets kind of friends. Don't make a mistake and turn a drinks kind of friend to a secret kind of friend before doing the actual digging. It must take a process this is a type of wealth, really. You, it must take a process before you get there. A lot of people get hurt because they 
overestimate the depth of their relationship with people. I will always say that when it comes to depth of relationship, it's always best to err on the side of caution. Don't think you are as deep in a relationship with a person until you actually begin to say, see signs and begin, like it's, it becomes undeniable that oh, we're that deep. You know what I mean? So, um, I know both of you now get to talk every day in the office. That doesn't qualify the person to hear your secrets, you know, until, or that, that doesn't qualify the person to hear some depth of some of your secrets because we all, we're all layered. Every human being is like an onion bulb. We have layers. And the point of intimacy is to peel those layers to reveal the core of a person, right? Don't just dive straight to your core with a person. Don't assume the depth of your relationship with people, all right? And then also, um, see social capital. You can make social capital investments, what does that mean? There are people who don't deserve your time and attention, who you just give your time and attention because you want to make a withdrawal later. Do you understand? Make social capital investments. Not just because you want to make a withdrawal later, but invest in people. Believe in people. It's a form of wealth. It's a form of wealth. You know, I've always been saying there are different currencies and all of that. And I'm talking about them extensively today. Investing in people is a form of investment, a very important form of investment people don't realize. I've said it several times. Um, um, there are banks that folded in one day. Banks that fold, um Someone was telling me how um, shares in one of the leading banks in Nigeria fell from about 33,000 to 9 naira in the space of five years. 33, do you know what that means? If as at when it was worth 33,000, I bought, I bought shares worth 1 million. Right now, my shares, or let me say if it was, I bought shares worth 100,000 naira. Right now, my shares of 100,000 naira will be worth 2,700 naira. That's what it means. So if all my investments are in money alone, the rainy day will come and because some monetary investments will fade, Jesus said, don't put your money where moths can get to it. Why did he use that example? Because in the time, the, um, the, um, not your money, your worth, your treasure, don't put your treasure where moths can get to it. Why did he use that? Because in the, at that time, their means of saving was to usually dig. Is it that you put it in a box and dig a ground and put it in the ground? Or you put it in a copper box and all of this could easily be accessed by rust. All of this could easily be accessed by um, insect, infest, insect infestations and all of that. And Jesus is saying, save, that's okay, but don't let your true treasure lie only in places that can be affected by rust or molds or moth infestations. You know, all of those things. If all your investments as a person is in money and all your investments as a person is in cryptocurrency, in US dollar, trust me, the US dollar can crash like that. Many of us don't realize it. It has crashed several times. In fact, the economic market is so terrible now that, let me explain something. The US dollar is falling. The only reason why it seems that it's rising to the Naira, because the Naira is, forgive my French, is shitty. But the US dollar has fallen against many other currencies in the world right now. That's the reason why we have, if you, checked, if you checked the recent stock markets two weeks ago, almost all the big companies, I'm talking Apple, Netflix, all the big stocks were shorted. They fell because the U.S. dollar fell. For all your investments is in money alone, you, are, you don't have investment to invest in people also. Number three, your physical wealth. I'm about to preach to myself. Because even I am failing in this area. Your physical wealth. Your physical wealth is about your health, your fitness, your vitality. Your health, your fitness, your vitality. And it is the most critical type of wealth 
but at the same time it is the most underappreciated type is the most important type of wealth but it's also the most underappreciated type of wealth is the most overlooked type of wealth i mean workaholic i like to work hard when your body is telling you to sleep go to sleep when your body is telling you to rest rest do you hear me? I'm not talking about, you know, bouts of laziness here. I'm talking about when your body's giving you signs that, ah, my brother, take a break. Maybe, oh, maybe, I might be wrong. Maybe you should take a break. All right. Physical health. And there are three. So just like under um, financial health, you have monitoring as understand the balance between assets and liability to create financial wealth for physical health there are three things you must do you must learn how to exercise ah poco learn how to exercise you must learn pastor finney learn how to exercise <laughs> you must learn some of you some of you you think exercising is about weight that's me i'm slim i don't need you it will shock you it will shock you you better go and exercise. All right? So you must learn how to exercise. How do you exercise? I'm not talking about going to the gym. Not everybody can afford to go to the gym monthly. Walk. Ah, poco, walk. Walk. They are just basic things. Walk. Don't sit down. Every, don't, you know, many of us, many of us, us, poco included, poco number one, we don't like to walk. All right? We 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 don't like to walk we take we want to we want to go from point a to point b uber point b. you know my dad shames me because that man can walk god and he has a car there are two cars in the house my father will get dressed and say i'm going if if you live in Festac, let me give you an idea of how far my dad walks the other day i went to when I was living in Festac, I went to 23 Road, the MTN office there to do something. My dad told me he was going to meet me there that he needed to solve a problem. And so I got there and I saw my dad walking towards the place. So I said, there's something wrong with the car? He said, no. So why are you walking? He said he just felt like stretching his legs. My father had walked the stretch of 21 Road to 23 Road. Let me put that in terms that many of you can understand. If you live on the island... I'm not very conversant with the island, but it should be the stretch of Ikate to about first gate, first roundup. I don't know the island much, but but Yab maybe Ikate to toll gate, or or in Yaba terms, he worked he walked the stretch of Herbert Macaulay, so from Jibo to Ebute Meta, just to stretch his legs just to stretch the guy walks he shames me <laughs> he shames me just to stretch and he has cars i don't even have and the man walks more than i do take a walk <laughs> if you don't have plenty money gather small money you can buy all those android fitbits just buy one those ones that keep and monitor your walk your your steps try and get in maybe four thousand to six thousand steps every day it will help you it will help you. And then um, exercise. Then the, the second thing is nutrition. Nutrition. Our, our generation, we are dead. Ha! We will know what we have done to ourselves when we are 30 plus. 30, 40 plus. I. Nutri like now, after this service, I'll probably go eat Chicken Republic. It's dangerous. So. It's dangerous. Nutrition. So for, I think since the end of February now, I have been on a no-soda diet. So I haven't taken Coke or Fanta or Sprite since the end of February. And I'm proud of myself. Very proud of myself. And I think some of you ought to do it also. It's not about whether you are fat or not. It's about whether you are healthy. All right. Whether you are healthy. Nutrition. And then number three, sleep. Rest. A good part, a good part of, a good part of productivity is rest. 
please, I need you to learn this thing. I, let me tell you people a story. In 2013, there was a, it was 2013, yes. In 2013, there was a week that I slept eight hours in seven days. Eight hours in seven days. And it was, it was, I felt, I felt like I'm a productivity genius. I mean, we're just moving. We don't sleep. Sleep is for the weak. You only, you, I rest when I die. I rest when I make my millions. My body, nobody told my body. On the eighth day, I woke up that morning and I was going to go to class. It was a Monday, I remember. And then I had had my bath. I had dressed up. And I was fine when I was having my bath. I was fine when I dressed up. I was fine when I was going downstairs. As, as, as soon as I left the hall, like this, I started feeling feverish. But I told myself, sleep is for the weak. So I got to class and I broke. Like, I got to class, the lecture started. And in less than three minutes, my temperature shot. It just, pew, zero to 100 like that. And then I was, my body was hot, but I was shaking. I was shivering, feeling cold. I was vomiting. I was sick. I was very sick. So I thought, oh, I had malaria. So I took myself to the health center. That's what we used to call it. I had a clinic in school. Then we used to call it the health center. So I took myself to the health center. And I, I went in and I ran tests. They put me on drip. I ran some tests. And... The, the tests came out. I, I didn't have malaria. I didn't have typhoid. I had nothing. So the doctor looked into my eyes. I had these eye bags. I could carry sacks of rice in my eye bags. And the doctor looked into my eyes. And the doctor said, how many hours did you sleep last night? And I said, one hour. He said, one hour. I said, yes. He said, when was the last time you actually slept? I said, ha. Huh. I sleep every night. He said, how many hours do you sleep per night? I said, for the last one week, I've been sleeping one hour per night. He said, and you've been going to classes? I said, yes. You've been doing everything? I said, yes. And if you knew me in school, I was very busy. So my typical day was I would finish class. Then I would head to the chapel because I had one chapel service unit meeting or the other. So I would head to the chapel. Then I would, after the meetings, I would do my prayer. Then I was sort of like a pastor in school. So I would do some counseling. People would need to see me. Then I would walk. And in Covenant University, there were no cars. You, you were not allowed to have a car. So you would walk wherever you are going to. So you walk from point A to point B. Walk and go and buy food. Walk and go and buy this. Walk and go and do that. And, and all of that. And, and then sometimes I would my day would end at about 10 p.m. when I would return back to the hostels. Then I'll start doing projects, assignments, all of that. And then in the middle of the night, I'll spend time praying because you have to keep those, you know, you have to keep that spirituality up. I'll spend time praying and all of that. And so I would eventually sleep by like 5 a.m., by 6 I'm back up. Let's go. Sleep is for the week. And so when I told the doctor that this was my routine the doctor looked at me and he actually hissed like the doctor actually went like so what are you trying to prove <laughs> and so the doctor gave me a pill I, I didn't know what it was he just told me um i wanted to take this pill and go to your hostel and just lie down try and get some sleep so he didn't know what he did he gave me a sleeping pill that was what he gave me and so i took the pill and I went to the hostel and I slept. And I think I slept about 18 hours or less. Maybe, I, I know I slept till the next day. I slept from that afternoon till the morning of the next day. Like well into the morning of the next day. And then I woke up. I woke up at intervals to pee and everything. But I woke up. And when I woke up, I was fine. And I was like, I'm never doing this again in my life. <laughs> I push myself, I work, but I know when to rest. Please rest. Please rest. I, I, I think it's irresponsible to not rest. The, and this thing kills pastors a lot. Pastors, we are busy. 
And like I always say, um, Bishop, T, um, I said Bishop, um, um, T.B. Joshua died of exhaustion. And there are many pastors that die of exhaustion. You know what it means to die of exhaustion? That you worked and worked and worked and worked. And your body gave you all those signals, but you worked and worked through the signals till your body was like, man, I can't do this anymore. And it just shut, it shut down and you died. It's very important. It is the most important. You can't build your spiritual life if you are sick. Let me tell you now. It's harder to build your spiritual life when you are sick. It's harder to build financial wealth when you are sick. It's harder to build... I mean, I know someone, a member of our church. That's, I'm thinking about her too as I'm, I'm talking about this. She, last year, she was so ill. And then she came for the camp meeting and she was having um, dizzy spells. And I told her, go and rest. She said, no, that she has to walk. I'm like, hey, hey, God. She was not resting. My dear, she gave up. There was a day after one of the sessions, she just came out and collapsed. Those of you that were at camp meeting last year, you would remember. She just came out and collapsed. Stop. Rest, too. Rest is important. Even I know, so for a reason, after camp meeting period, I don't do anything. I don't go out. I don't, like I must really love you for you to pull me out of my house the week after camp. I just sit down at home and I'm just resting. I'm playing game, watching movies. That's all I'm doing. Eating, sleeping, resting. Because camp meeting takes such a toll on my body that I need to rest. I remember during the last camp meeting, these are things that pastors don't tell some of you. During the last camp meeting, after one of the sessions, I just came back to the house to rest for the next session. And as I sat down, I started throwing up. My body was not having it. Well, it's cup meeting period. I can't say I'm not doing it again. So I took, I took, um, I, t I think I threw up. Then I cleaned my mouth, took, I took ginger tea and I drank Panadol. And then we continued the camp meeting. But rest, rest, okay? Then this takes me to um, wealth number four, which is your mental wealth. Your mental wealth. Your mental wealth. Your mental wealth is about your mental fitness. It has been said that the day you stop learning, you start dying. It is true. Said I don't like to read books. Start reading books. Even if you don't like reading books, watch informative, follow informative channels on YouTube. Just so your brain is active. You... You need to do things that make your brain active. Especially if you are in a job that is repetitive or redundant. You know what I mean? For instance, if you are a graphics designer working for a printing company, you need to make your brain active. Because there's, I'm saying, I said that specifically because there was a time I, I worked for a printing company as a graphics designer. And I realized there were so many redundant jobs. I would just keep doing repeating the same process repeating the same process over and over and again and it gets to a point when my brain is no longer involved in the activity it's now muscle memory so it's, it's just my muscle doing it you know what i mean you need to you need to keep your brain active so there is this channel i follow on youtube um they're called veritasium they're called very is it veritasium i think they're called veritasium my wife laughs whenever i'm listening to um, the channel, I'm listening to the things they are saying, because it's a science channel. If I, I, I love science. So I go after science stuff. And they are talking about Planck's constants, Schrodinger's um, wave equation, those things that are difficult. I, I just follow them, because I need to keep my brain working. I don't want my brain to die. Do you understand? I don't want my brain to die. Some of you, you, you just need to keep learning. Do different things. Stop watching movies just for entertainment. When you're watching movies, actually ask yourself, when you see, if you're watching a superhero movie, somebody flies and does something, ask yourself, is that possible in physics? Why is it not possible? Research. Find out. You've learned it. Keep it. Move on. Okay? If you're not a reader, you don't like reading, listen. Like um, someone rightly 
um, recommended, use Audible. And when you pay for it, pay for it. Go and pay for it. It's not expensive. You have a Netflix subscription, pay for it. Cancel your Netflix, pay for Audible. Some of you have Netflix, you have Showmax, you have, what are they? Amazon Prime, you have Hulu. Your, Hulu is not permitted in Nigeria. You have it, you pay for it. You have iTunes Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, one you, one you. When I ask you to pay for Audible, you say it's expensive. Come on, guys. All right. And allow me to add, even if this should be a category on its own, spiritual wealth under mental wealth. Spiritual wealth under the world is mad. Kai, do you know that nine, about nine months ago or seven months ago, there was a conversation. A woman was saying something, 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 something. A man tried to correct the woman. The, the woman said, you cannot determine for me what I will do. I mean, and the man said, okay, define woman. And the woman said, I don't know the definition of woman. But now, now, now that they've passed an abortion law, if you hear the things I'm hearing, let me just deviate. If you are a Christian and you are pro-choice, It's either you don't know what you support, because a lot of a lot of pro-choice people don't know what it is they claim to support. Though. A lot of people say eh, that I'm supporting, I'm 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 voting in favor of women being able to choose not to carry the child of their rapists. I don't think there is any pro-life person, no, because people are mad. People are mad. But I don't think there's any reasonable pro-life person who will want to force a mother to carry the child of her rapist. Those are gray areas, oh. Those are gray areas. And this is the interesting thing. Um, doctors have said that one in 30 women, did you hear what I said? One in 30 women who come for abortion are coming for abortion because they are carrying the child of a rapist. One in 30. That is 0 0.33, no? That's 0 0.03. One in 30 women. I need, you to, I need that to sink in. So when we are saying we are pro-choice pro because of the women... Um, because of the women that that are that may be endangered you're talking about one in 30. my my dear sister about 29 women go to the theater for an abortion because they had irresponsible sex and got pregnant or let me say about 25 20 out of 30. that's still majority they are the ones for for whom you're making the law and there is no easy way to do an abortion. Abortion is murder. You don't beg the baby to disappear. That you now take a pill and the pill now goes into the womb. The pill is now like, all right, we're here. Can we negotiate? We don't really want you here. So how can we negotiate you going away without harming anyone? You're killing the child. The world is mad. And many people don't realize this, but a good part of your mental health is being grounded in spirituality. Knowing that you are loved by God and you don't need any other person's validation. So take care of your spiritual health as, as well. And this takes me to the last type of wealth and which is your time. Time is money. Your time wealth is about the freedom to choose how to spend your time, with whom to spend it, where to spend it, and when to trade that time for other types of wealth. If you just left school, you have time wealth. Many of you don't realize it. You can choose how to spend your time. You can choose with whom to spend your time. You can choose where to spend your time. You can choose whether you want to trade your time for social wealth, whether you want to trade your time. That's what people do. When you go for parties, you're trading your time for social wealth. When you go for, when you go for all these things, so you can choose whether to trade your time for all these other types of wealth. 
fight for your ability to choose how to spend your time well amen listen time is wicked you can love time with all of your body and it doesn't care about you it just keeps ticking away if you are in your early 20s are you hearing what i'm saying if you are in your early 20s please please make good use of your time i can't beg you more make good use of your time a time will come when your life just enters autopilot i know what i'm telling you your life just starts going many of your parents regret it they never used their time wisely some of you you are rushing to enter into relationships stop stop some of you you are rushing to enter into this business calm down first because let me tell you once you get married life begins you get married you have a child your entire life for the next 20 years is about that child that's it you have to train the children send them to school why are you going to work to send my children to school why are you doing this to send my children to school you have to train them and so what you used your time for before the children came will now begin to tell this is why you have a lot of unhappy marriages and they are, the both parties in the marriage are still in the marriage because of the children and that's the reason why something is happening there is an epidemic that is ravaging through homes now and it is this that many parents once their children leave school they find out that the parents want to separate because all the while the parents were in the marriage just so that the children can be in school Use your time wisely. Learn skills. Do you hear what I'm saying? Learn skills. I know you have a music talent. Pursue your music career whilst simultaneously learning skills in other areas. Ask yourself, in the next 30 years, what career paths will be the most important? If you don't know, do your research. Let me give you a piece of advice as I wrap up. A couple of days ago, I was speaking to one of us, a friend of mine, a member of our church. And she was talking to me about her career trajectory. And she was saying, oh, she works at a good position now and she earns what seems to be like a decent salary. It's okay. It's not, it's not that much, but it's not that small. And she was saying, oh, she seeks to transition. That she's looking for another opportunity where they will pay her more. And I said, no, no, no. No. Young person, if you have gotten to a place where you are paid well, understand that your career can either grow in width or it can grow in depth. Do you understand? Like, like social capital, hop around, look for good opportunities until you get to somewhere where the pay is okay. Stop. Now start growing deeply. In that position, look for trainings, look for all of those things because the truth is a time will come when your money won't matter in your career anymore what will now matter is how deep in the career you have does it make sense how deep in the career you have gone i think this is the most fitting way to end your end this teaching series don't be too money conscious don't make every decision in your career about money do you understand if you are a man you, you've gotten to a place where you're earning 600,000, 700,000. I think it's time to pause for a minute and build deep. Do you understand? You're a woman, you've gotten to 600,000, 700,000. Build deep. Some of you, you even think about that. You say 700,000 is too much. If I get to 450, I can build deep. Build deep. All those people that are trying to buy this one, buy that one, buy this one, buy. Listen. It will fade away. 
it will fade away. What will now matter is that when and it helps your CV. I mean, think about it. The big companies, companies like Google, would rather pay someone to be a senior developer who has worked four years, five years in a particular company developing one product and the person now has some level of experience that they can tap into than somebody who across five years you've worked in six, seven, eight different companies. Both of you were working for those five years as a developer but one person builds depth while the other person was building white. Does it make sense? Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.